eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bamba. Bamba trying to thread it through. What a super run from midfield by Jonathan David. Oh, and he's got his hat-trick. Yusuf Yazici has a hat-trick. It's a brilliant goal. And that goal right there was the third goal, the hat-trick for Lille's Yusuf Yasiki as the French club beats AC Milan 3-0. Europa League recap with Heath Pierce. We're going to break it down. Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester City, the aforementioned Lille, and so much more. We also have Christina Uncle to break down a new petition from UEFA on the handball rule. We got it all here, and the show begins right now. As promised, we have HP Heath Pierce here with us. Later on, we'll have Christina Uncle Heath. I think you have a present. Yeah, yeah, be, yeah. I, I had to come on first uh, by request today to just show this uh, this hoodie that I have. Um, a hoodie, you know. Yeah, it's a hoodie, and I would love to know what 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 Christina makes of it. There was actually some controversy today where where VAR would have really played into the advantage, but yeah, this is uh, making a bold statement. It's on the back of this sweatshirt, and. Uh, you know, big red line through VAR. So uh, <laughs> I love it. wonder I what she thinks one. of that. Yeah. I want one. Kid so Boys Club, they make them. Uh, we'll, we'll get you hooked up, dude. Let's do it. Let's make it happen, HP. All right. So uh, as you saw from the intro, the opening goal, that was Yusuf Yosiki, the hat trick uh, from Lille's 3 nothing win against AC Milan. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's begin uh, with Arsenal. Heath, uh, you know, they claim a comfortable 4-1 win. Uh, against Molda uh, after a really good second half, I thought. Molda started brightly, opened the scoring, then an own goal made it 1-0. And then thanks to uh, Nicolas Pepe, Joe Willock, etc. I thought Danny Ceballos was really good. Uh, suddenly they got their feet, the rhythm got going, and Arsenal won comfortably 4-1. And Mikel Arteta has to be happy, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it was one of those things where, and maybe I'm too much on the inside because I watch Arsenal too much, but it was one of those games where you, you look at it from the beginning, they give up a goal, they're playing a little much too too much tiki taki. Lot not a lot of ideas like final products coming. It's just a lot of connective play, trying to play beautifully. And you're like, oh man, this is going to be one of those ones where it just goes on and on and on, and they never break them down. And then they started to find those wide areas and overload those wide areas, and really starting to unorganize the 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 Molda squad. And as soon as they did that, they whip a few balls in behind that back line, get them uncomfortable, and then you know that leads to own goals, that leads to opportunities, guys crashing the box, and it really changed the game. Once they started to problem solve it also helped that they scored right before the half that's you know again changes the tactic when you go into halftime but uh the, the second half just right away 
again, knowing how to use those white areas and pull them apart, it just it just changed things for them. So if I'm Mikel Arteta, I'm, I, I see the response coming out in the second half. Obviously, there's a lot to work on. But again, the players that you mentioned, I thought Xhaka was even uh, solid today. Uh, Nketia, Pepe, uh, you know, he, he looked like he had a chip on his shoulder, didn't want to celebrate after he was scoring, something, angry about something, but uh, a big win and, and, and a convincing win by the end of 90 minutes. And I think a good thing, and again, I say this all the time, but it's always good when like your, you know, academy products are doing well, right? Maitland-Niles, Nketia, Joe Willock, like all these players doing well, playing well, getting experience in Europe. Fair enough, it's Molda. There's not exactly like you're playing against, you know, with all due respect against really hard opposition, but it's just good to give them those minutes, give them that confidence. And, uh, you know, a 4-1 win, Arsenal undefeated in Europa, I believe, if I'm just looking at the table. Yep, three wins, looking good, top of Group B, nine goals scored, only conceded two. It's it's just good for Arteta right now. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a, you know, good times. They play Villa, I think, at the weekend. Um, they do in the afternoon so- game. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, a tough task there. I think they're both sort of sitting eight and nine in the table and, you know, just a really, really good test to see where they're at. Right. There's been some squad rotations with with Arsenal playing some of the younger players. It's also good to see that pipeline of players coming through. Right. Arsenal always had uh, this, quote unquote, really good academy. And, you know, that hasn't been the case over the last six, seven years. And now you're starting to see these players come through, contribute. And then uh, hopefully they, they, they break into the first team and stay in the first team instead of sort of instead of sort of being sold off because, you know, of the pressures to, you know, perform week in and week out that come with playing at an arsenal. Absolutely. Moving on and uh, staying with Premier League teams, Tottenham, uh, they, they bounced back after last week's loss. Um, with a 3-1 victory against Ludo Goretz, uh, Harry Kane actually opened the scoring, and that was his 200th goal for Tottenham, which is pretty amazing. We, we forget how much of a prolific goal scorer, especially because he went on loan at the beginning of his career. Actually, him and Jamie Vardy were together once a while ago uh, for Leicester, and, you know, that made it the open score, and then uh, Lucas... Uh, uh, who, who scored the second one, I believe. Yeah, Lucas Moura, I'm sorry. Yeah. A really good ball from wide. And then uh, Giovanni Lo Celso made a 3-1 uh, before uh, Claudio Casero scored in the 50th minute. So 3-1 to Tottenham, a really good result and a good bouncing back from uh, Jose Mourinho's team. Yeah, this one was, was, was convincing from the start, right? Kane could have had two in the first six minutes. He could have had four in the first half. That's where you start to go, okay, these are the games that you want to score those in, build your confidence, because they were clear-cut chances on goal. I think he hit the post once, and he skied one when he was alone with the goalkeeper. One of those ones where it kind of goes over the top, and you, you have so much time to think about it that you end up making the wrong decision. But the other thing is, is that this is the best that I've seen Bale so far. So Bale looked the best and that I've seen him. He looked lighter. He looked more integrated into the squad. You know, when Bale came Mora on the second goal and then, and then uh, uh, the only thing better than that is Bale Kane's son. When you see that, when you start to see that magic come together, but it was, yeah, a convincing win. And it, I, the only thing I would say about Ludogorets and I'm making an example of them. I don't understand why some of these smaller teams are just deciding we're going to play out of everything or we're going to see how we match up against the Spurs. It doesn't matter what kind of form Spurs are in. 11 players against those 11 players, they are better in every single position. So why not be a little more pragmatic? Why not hit the long ball? Why not you know, try to play out for these points instead of seeing like how we can play wide open against a Spurs? Because again, one turnover, one, two, three passes, boom. Now you're down one nil. Another time, now you're down two nil. And, and, and 
it's I'm making an example of them because there's a lot of teams and we've spoken about this before of teams just not changing the way that they play to tournament style. You're playing in a tournament. It's about points, three, three at home, one away, work your way to the, to the knockout rounds. And instead of just playing wide open and seeing what happens, you know, um, you know, it's easy for me to say that from my position, you know, as an armchair analyst, but like, you know, I, I you would think that they would ha- approach it differently, but a very, very good team. No, no discredit to Spurs. They were very good and, and, and should have won by, seven, I don't know, seven or eight goals probably. Yeah. But no, it's a really good point though. Like, you know, and you're at home as well. Like you're at home. You, if you're drunk, if you're going to try and beat somebody like Tottenham, you might as well do it at home. You, you haven't won a game yet. You know, now you lost all three, conceded like, you know, nine already. Just gamble, just gamble. But anyway, Tottenham take the victory. And then again, just like Arsenal takes advantage of a deep squad, or at least from a talent perspective, uh, Tottenham does exactly the same thing, using all subs, uh, just rotating, etc. cetera. Deli Alley wasn't used again, though. <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy just needs to leave. He's yeah. got to go in January. He needs a fresh start. Jose Mourinho doesn't, he's not going to use him. Deli Alley's a fantastic player. He's still very young. He needs to go somewhere else, I think, no? I agree. He, he's he's too young and he's too talented and we've seen too many flashes for him to just become a Premier League player, right? He was a Premier he was one of the Premier League stars, right? He's the one that he's one of the few that put Spurs on the map when Spurs were not on the map for a long time with obviously with Kane but and Gareth Bale before that, but you know, he was a bona fide global superstar uh and and to see him sort of out of form and then out of out of out of uh I guess uh, out of love within the lineups. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, you 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 want to see him go somewhere that he can contribute because he still he still has a lot of qualities that maybe they're not consistent yet because he's still young, but he should definitely be be somewhere playing regular minutes at a, at a high level at a, at a big club. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, staying with the Premier League, the last one, Leicester City. My pick before the tournament started to go all the way to the final. I know it's early. I know their group isn't that hard, but right now uh, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, like they're playing such great stuff for nothing against SC Braga. Uh, you know, who needs uh, Jamie Vardy? Kalecci Niacho gets a brace. Dennis Perret, uh, James Madison make it for nothing. A really, really good performance. Uh, you know, their great run continues as they go top of Group G and maintain that perfect record in the tournament. Uh, Braga really struggled to threaten at all, uh, but really it's just, just looking at how Leicester play over and over every single week. It's just, you know, they're such a good team. Brendan Rodgers has done such a good job and another good win for the Foxes. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I think when you look at Leicester, they, they've been one of the most convincing, if not the most convincing team in the group stages so far. And the team that they put out, the way that they play, their dominance within the games it's just consistent, right? And consistency gets you really far in these types of tournaments. You're not seeing this and then this in the way that Arsenal had a good half and they squeaked out their way against uh, against Veen. And then, you know, they put out a young squad and there's huge rotations within the squad. They're rotating players, but not a ton of them. But they are they are consistent and strong uh, every single game. And and Iannaccio had, a, had an assist today. He's like, the, he, he's my new Diego Jota uh, of, of, uh, of global, of global, of the global game. So, you know, all about, uh, being, uh, a squad player that, that can step in and, and deliver it at any moment, uh, with goals and assists. Absolutely. Anyway, leaving the premier league sites and focusing on a really big game here, AC Milan starting Slatan Ibrahimovic, Brahim Diaz. They all started lose three, nothing to Lille at home, by the way, at home. Okay, so it's not, you know, a, a tough trip at home. Yusuf Yosiki with a hat trick and it just condemns Milan to that three nothing loss and Lille go uh, top of the group 
And, you know, it's really good to see, especially for Jonathan David, gave him some confidence. He was benched at the weekend. I guess it was part because of this game. But um, he, he played really well, too. But it's a great win for Lille, like amazing uh, to, to beat the AC Milan that everybody's been talking about. And I can feel Jimmy Conrad's ears just going red right now because you know that you had not this result. Yeah, I, I this is one where... I started following Lille when when uh, when Timo Timo Weah went to to Lille, mm-hmm. and that's when I started following them more intently. And when now now it's a situation where you look at the squad and you're like Timo Weah needs to leave because they have so many good players, right? And Jonathan David, the reason he's getting benched is because they spent 47 million on this guy, right? It's the biggest Canadian transfer ever. By the way, he was born in New York City. When I was doing this research like some months ago, New York City born. Like what's going NYC, on here, baby? All right, Imagine. we'll claim him. We'll yeah. claim. Yeah, NYC and listen, could have played for the U.S. national team. Why not? That's <laughs> the one position where, like, who's going to be that big striker? Who's going to do it? I'll tell you who's going to do it. Twenty-year-old, I think he's twenty. Jonathan David, but he hasn't scored, so I'm like, he's out of form right now. He hasn't scored yet since moving to the club on a forty-seven million transfer. Um, and then you look at the squad and and you look at Timo Weah and and a result like today. They're so good. They're so like, they're very very fast. They're young. Um, have a strong Turkish contingent there. Burak Yilmaz came on, but he he's not a starter. But Ikone, Jonathan Bamba, and then um, and then what's his name that you just mentioned that uh, had the hat trick? The hat trick, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Yuziki. That's his second hat trick of of the group stages. Uh, last year he had one goal, one <laughs> goal across all competitions, one goal, and now he's got seven goals across all competitions and isn't hasn't even really been a starter yet. So there's a lot of competition there. But they are extremely, yeah, clearly deep and, and have a lot of good young players. Second, second in the table in, in Ligue 1. So uh, who, see, who knows how that's going to pan out over a whole season when you have the inconsistencies of young players. But right now, they're really exciting to watch. Beat AC Milan. That's AC Milan's biggest, I believe, biggest ever home loss in wow. Europe. Wow. The biggest that's- one before that was 2-0 or wow. by 2. They lost 3-0. Like, that's, that's pretty embarrassing. And by the way, I'm almost positive that's an unbeaten AC Milan squad. It is in all competitions. This is their first loss, and it's their biggest loss ever at home in Europe, or since at least a long, long period of time. If if if, I, if I'm wrong on that, yeah, I, just huge, huge. And by the way, on Jonathan David, that's right, born in Brooklyn, by the way, to Haitian parents. Then he moved back to uh, Port-au-Prince uh, in Haiti, and then he uh, emigrated to to Canada. So that that's the story for him there. And Timo Weah, by the way, didn't even get some minutes today. I'm presuming that you know. Uh, they're using the squad respectively. Uh, he is in the United States men's national team squad as well. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens there. But that's a huge, huge victory for Lille, uh, who go top of that group, which is which is fantastic. The other one to talk about, and there's a lot of games, so we're not going to go through all of them, guys. Sorry, we just aren't, you know, we don't get paid enough for that. Yeah. But there's a lot of games, and one of them was Benfica Rangers, the early kickoff there. Um, Heath, where Rangers was looking good. 3 nothing. Nico Otamendi from Benfica gets sent off in the 19th minute. So you're thinking, well, this is over, mm-hmm. right? Alfredo Morelos becomes uh, Rangers' top scorer in Europe ever with his uh, 51st-minute goal. So you're thinking, this is done. This is done. And then um, out of nowhere, uh, well, I guess not out of nowhere, Rangers just fell asleep. Rafa Silva in the 77th minute, and then Darwin Nunez, uh, in stoppage time, and they tie it 3 0. It's a pretty remarkable result there. Yeah, and it's right up the middle, like route one at the end between the two center backs. 
you know, Darwin Nunez on a, on, on a breakaway and you're just like, man, you could have easily seen out this result if you're Rangers and Rangers, again, one of the most informed teams in Europe right now, um, giving up points and, and playing up a man for most of the, most of the game and, and, and a crucial player at that with Otamendi being sent off. So it was one that I think from, from a professional level, Rangers should have been able to see out from the beginning to the end and have, give them no sniff. But, um, you know, there was a belief from Benfica that they could stay in it and, and they were, and now they've got to play, um, Braga at the weekend, uh, and a Braga who's, who's obviously coming af- off of a, a, a tough loss to, to Leicester. And, 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 you know, if you're, if you're Benfica, you're, you're pretty happy and informed that you were able to survive this type of match and leave with a point. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, listen, by the way, as we tape this, uh, Villarreal and, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv are still playing, f- uh, in just at the beginning of the second half, because there was just ridiculous torrential rain in Spain. So uh, you'll have to check that score later. But Villarreal, as we speak right now, is leading one nothing thanks to Carlos Vaca in the fourth minute. Uh, but the other one, finally, to talk about, uh, you know, and I'll give you some other scores here. Roma absolutely destroyed Cluj 5 nothing. Uh, Park Athens beat uh, PSV 4-1. Real Sociedad doing their thing, uh, beating uh, AZ Alkmaar one nothing. Um, Lech Poznan's winning against Standard, Le- Standard Leash is just, it's just terrible right now. Three-one, and Leverkusen winning four-two against Beersheba. Beer but the one Celtic, Heath, what a mess of a team, losing four-one at home to Sparta Prague. And as I'm reading, by the way, it's not a really good result for Scotland in general because basically, guys, when you're trying to get seated in terms of who gets uh, spots for the Champions League, Scotland is 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 down there. Uh, with that 11th spot, which is kind of close to Ukrainian sides and Turkish sides. And the performances of Scottish teams in European competition determines a lot of that. So now with Rangers tying and Celtic losing, if Celtic doesn't get out of this group, it could really damage um, what happens in the seats for, for the Champions League, Heath. Yeah, it's it's huge implications. They're on one point after three games, bottom of the table. And you know, when, when we were, when we were sort of going through the motions of, you know, who, who are the two to look at in, in that group, you naturally have Celtic sitting at the top of their group. And now here they are behind Lille who are way out in front Milan who are behind them. And then I, who, who is the, uh, who is the third team in that group? I can't, Wait, I can't remember. In, in the Lille group it's Lille top with seven points, yeah. Milan with six points, Sparta yeah. Prague yeah. who uh, beat Celtic today with three points and then Celtic with that lowly one. Yeah, and I think that was a three-one loss for 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 Celtic today, if I'm not mistaken. And and now you have four-one. Wow. Um, and you look, they're sitting they're sitting on one point. That's when when Celtic are a historic club, and they have a lot of casual fans around the world because of Celtic's history, because of their their they're kind of an easy team to like. There's a there's a lot of pressure to play at that club. If you go and play in Scotland, you know what it's like. You know. You asked Marcus Beasley about what his experience was at, at, at Rangers. You understand the implications of playing at these big clubs. And there are a lot of turmoil, right? Because there's two big teams. And when one of those two big teams, and, you know, for the last seven, eight, ten years, it's been Celtic all the way uh, as, as sort of Rangers have rebuilt. But there's you lose one game, you lose two games. In their minds, they have a very Real Madrid-like mentality where two games, two losses, or, or these types of results – it is disaster. It is it is a panic. There is board meetings. There's the fans protesting. There's all kinds of stuff um, happening. And and 
And in previous years, Celtic have had the league to fall back on, but now you have Rangers sitting top of the league with a five-point gap. Well, I think it's like nine, or it'd be a three-point gap. It's nine points right now, two games in hand. So mm-hmm. it could be potentially three points, but Rangers nonetheless are top of the table. So there's not a lot of positive to look back on to say, oh, okay, Celtic doesn't do well in Europe, but at least we have the league. You know, we're still league champions, you know, over Rangers, blah, blah, blah. Right now it's kind of a high-stress environment, which is, is, is not a good situation to be in uh, if you're Celtic. No, it's not. I mean, I grew up you know, and as you did as well, I'm sure, uh, um, through the Henrik Larson years, you know, you know, just a, a, an icon of the game and he is a Celtic legend. So, you know, just, you know, just seeing a team like this struggle is tough. But anyway, so that's Europa. Villarreal, by the way, winning 2 nothing right now, 53rd minute. Carlos Vaca with a brace. So I'm sure they got that one in the bag. Heath, before we say... Goodbye to you. We're going to talk to you a lot next week as well. United States men's national team finally gets a friendly, finally gets to see some action. All this talk about all this talent in European clubs. Finally going to see it. Also, decision day as well. MLS playoffs, uh, you know, will be decided. So much to look forward to. Uh, Anything that just shouts to you that you're really looking forward to as we look ahead, not just the weekend, but what's coming up. I know the international break can be a little bit daunting or boring, but we're going to still be here, guys. We're not going anywhere every day. So anything to look forward to that you think? What's the, what's the biggest thing for you that you're saying, oh, I can't wait for that? Well, one is the, the, the U.S. national team playing soon, right? And they have the youngest squad, I think, in all of the squads called up uh, across the world. Uh, and, and then Richie Ledesma got his debut for PSV Eindhoven last weekend, got an assist. And then today came on to get his Europa League debut 20 years old. I think that's a huge step forward. Again, a validator of him starting to get first team minutes. Uh, and that's a, a really exciting to thing to, to look forward to. And then, and then this weekend is it's, it's all or nothing for Philadelphia union, right? They've been building this, uh, youth Academy for so long. These youth players are now playing into the first team being sold on to the likes of, of uh, RB Salzburg and we'll probably see Mark McKenzie get a move to a big club as well, but they have to win final game of the year. It's a test of whether you are the best team to win supporter shield. You win on the weekend, you win supporter shield, you lose and Toronto win, they win supporter shield. So there's a lot of pressure here. And so it's definitely going to be a must watch. I, you know, a uh, game and, and, and an exciting opportunity and moment for the present and future of Philadelphia union. Well said, my friend. HP Heath Beers, always here to bring the knowledge. So happy to have you. Heath will be back for our weekend recap, which will be, uh, you should have it on your pod, on your cell by the evening of Sunday. Heath, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, my man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, 
invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso Pod. As promised, we would have Christina Uncle, my Latina, my hermana. ¿Cómo estás, Christina? How are you? Bien, bien, bien. Aquí muy bien, gracias. I uh, see. I would love to do this in Spanish. I mean, you could just go back and forth, but then we would alienate like 80% of our audience. So maybe, maybe another time. Maybe another time. Maybe another time. Definitely. Especially with subtitles on the bottom. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And they'll be damned if they think I'm doing the subtitles. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it when our team is a little stronger. Christina, great to have you. Always good having you. Um, we, uh, this is our Europa recap episode, but there's some big news. Uh, in the officiating world uh, with UEFA and a very specific petition. Why don't you break it down for us? Yeah, so what really got released today, uh, which was really good, and you know, the AP Press was the one who released it, which, you know, they do a really good job of making sure they got their facts straight. So I got personally excited, right? There's always rumors about this person's going to change it, and if there's enough complaints, this is going to happen. But today, officially, UEFA president submitted a letter to the FIFA president uh, requesting on behalf of UEFA that FIFA and IFAB take a look and reconsider not just the tweaking of the language of handling, but also the application and interpretation that the instruction that the referees are receiving for it to be changed because it's being a little bit applied pretty black and white, but to the detriment that some of these that, you know, there's a feeling that it's a little too harsh. Um, and that's what we've been seeing through Champions League. We've been seeing through Europa. We've been seeing, you know, throughout the world because that's the instruction referees are getting. So they've literally kicked off and started the first step necessary to start having IFAB and FIFA go back and reconsider on how can they change the language and the interpretation so that we're not getting those types of penalty kicks that we saw yesterday with Chelsea, uh, right? Where it's a close, uh, really close to the other player. There's a strike on it, hands relatively, you know, kind of near the body, but still above. And then we're having a double yellow red card that just doesn't sit well with the football community. Yeah, so I'm thinking also the Hector Herrera one for Atletico Madrid, where like it just like bounces off his head, chest, then his arm, like very involuntarily. But the interpretation is there right now. So what's the next step then? So they make the petition. Is there a waiting period? Is it immediate? How does it work? Yeah, there is a waiting period. So everyone's excited, but it's, like I said, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen next week. It's not going to happen in a month. However, it kicks off the beginning of it. So with UEFA submitting that formal request, which was interesting because it looked like it hadn't been started to be drafted around October 26th time period. And over the past two weeks, right, there's been plenty of more examples to kind of help support their letter. Uh, the next step is for UEFA will co collectively meet in November for their meetings, probably discuss a little bit further. How do they want to do the actual petition in the sense of not only do you ask for the laws to be clarified, but you also have to be providing suggestions and recommendations, right? It's very easy to point things out when they're wrong, but then how do we fix things? So the UEFA will meet and they will start having consideration. How do we fix this law? How do we clarify it? How do we tweak it? Just that bit more that, you know, we go from one pendulum of never having a handling offense. So we don't really know what referees are calling to. Now we know what the referees are calling, but it's still too harsh. How do we get them into the middle? So that's what UEFA will be talking about in November is how can we make a proposal of the change of the language and the application for it. So that's probably, I would say the next step, right? Is you wait for me, have that conversation, submit it, see if there's any other federations, um, confederations that would like to, you know, provide or supplement as well what they've been seeing in their leagues also. 
Now, all these get submitted to IFAB, which is the one that actually does the rules. Um, I apologize, laws of the game. Um, they're the actual ones who do and amend it, right? FIFA applies the laws of the game. IFAB is the one that creates them. And they would reconsider this during their annual general board meeting that typically happens around March time, right? So it, it wouldn't happen until early next year. Although uh, just to kind of give people, you know, a little bit of heads up from time to time between that year meeting, there are things called circulars that are pressed out, pushed out by IFAB, then are pushed out by FIFA, and then us as referees receive them, where they may make some clarification. So for example, Women's World Cup last year, anytime a keeper encroached and stepped off the line, it was an automatic caution, right? And I think we all remember that. We're like, oh, and trust oh, yeah. me, my friends and colleagues there officiating are like, we are going to be the most hated people ever, and we can't do anything about it except read the riot act and pray to God they don't step off the line. Uh, and then VAR catches it. So as the tournament progressed, right, in that final, in that final next stage, they issued a circular saying if the official, if the goalkeeper steps off the line that first time, we're no longer going to have a mandatory yellow card, right? Unless it's a different kind of infraction outside of encroachment or stepping off the line, they're going to get another bite at the apple prior to us giving a yellow card. So those modifications aren't unknown. And I would say that was probably the best example of a, a, a modification or tweak on that law of the game that happened in real time because the football community and so many eyes were on it and said, this is not right. Um, and I think this is where we're at with handling too, uh, where it just, it, everyone's talking about it, whether it's domestically here, or whether it's European football or comma ball or just name it. Um, the application is, is being too harsh and there's a lot of good examples of it. And I know as me, as a referee personally, it doesn't feel right. I have to apply it how I'm being instructed at the moment, but it still doesn't feel right. So we don't have it right yet. Do you think that it'll be ready for the knockout stages of the Champions mm -hmm. League? Or is that? Yeah, so, it, and, and that is obviously going to be one of the pressure points, right? So, one of the biggest voices in the football community is naturally UEFA. Uh, very strong football uh, countries come out of it. Um, a lot of influence in IFAB, right? IFAB is created by the uh, the British countries um, primarily, right? Uh, if I remember them all, right? It's England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and Northern Ireland, and I, there may be one more, and then some other voices from FIFA. So it's always, it was fascinating to me when I learned about IFAB in the sense of what their role was. And I'm like, wait, all those people control the laws of the game? Um, and I think they're like the protectors of the laws of the game or something. It's great on their website. I feel like I'm reading something from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I know, um, that's what I thought you were doing. <laughs> No, it is. It's the guardians of the laws of the game. And I'm like, wait, where am I? Uh, <laughs> so I'm fascinated by it, but we're going to leave that to another day. British talk. I obviously don't want to step into that world, but um, those pressure points then being so close to UEFA, many of the players that have the influence that have um, the ears of those who sit on the board of directors uh, are part of UEFA as well. So when I say that there's pressure points, not in a negative sense, just in a sense of they have, the ability um, and sway probably to go ahead and maybe get this done prior to, I would not be surprised. Let me put it that way. Right. So, all right, let me ask you this because this is my thing about all of this. Every time, you know, something like a dubious handball, whatever happens, the quick blame is so automatic on the official. And I always remind people, including our friend, Jimmy Conrad, I always remind people that, listen, the referee, unfortunately, like you said, is following the guideline of what's already been implemented, the rule the rule book. So it's not so much let's blame VAR, let's blame the official, but rather if you want to change it, change the rule itself. And I feel that this is it, 
right? This is exactly what's happening. And hopefully, you know, it'll be a much uh, clearer, I guess, uh, way of analyzing the handball rule, right? Do you think that officiators, you know, officiating um, a community like referees are, 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 are happy about this? Because you said like, sometimes when I give a, a call, it's not that I'm so for it, it's that I'm literally following the rule book, right? So do you think that the officiating community is gonna be happy at least that, you know, finally we're gonna get more clarity on the handball situation? So I, I and quote me on this, we will always talk about handling offenses. <laughs> There's a, because it's a discretionary gray rule, right? So the idea of going to applying this a little bit more black and white was to provide that consistency so that in one match, you know, if I felt that was wrong and I wouldn't call it, but in another game, if another referee is like, oh, you know what, I'm more of a black and white type of referee and application, then they would call it. And then people say there's no consistency between the officials. So this was the attempt to modify and tweak it to make it more black and white. Um, and so as we see here, there are prime and good examples that one could understand um, ahead of time that that may pop up, but until we apply it and we see it play out, it's, it's like any law, whether it's government, democracy, whatever. I always kind of joke, if you don't like the law, you know, call your state representative, right? To get that thing changed. And this is pretty much similar in tracks, just like it. Um, you think about the laws of the game, you think about governance, you think about board of directors, you think about voices at the table, uh, those who sit at the table and have those ability to make that conversation change. Um, it's very run, run, runs much the same as you would think of a democratic government. Um, so now we're bringing regular law into this, but truly it, that's kind of how it tracks in the footballing world when we talk about changing the law. So that is going to be essentially the next steps going into it. And I know at least from us referee side of it, there's another good example of where we saw this modification. And at one time there was an application um, and having played soccer, many officials have played soccer, not all of them, but many officials have played soccer. And I was kind of joke if, if you get to the higher levels and as a referee, it's because you were never good enough to be a soccer player to get, I can never play on the women's national team for the U S but you know, I could referee them. Um, so it was kind of one of those jumps that we also feel the game, know the game, have played the game, know when a hit happens. And this example I'm talking about is the slide tackle, right? You're slide tackling, let's say you're a defender, you're going to slide tackle. And if your hand was you know, near your body and supporting you while you slide tackled, the initial application was, right? It's, it's natural, uh, no handling offense. Then I remember it was come about 2015, it was where they changed the application that if you're slide tackling, even if your hand's natural and bracing yourself while you're on the ground, but if it hits your hand, it's an automatic yellow card um, and it's, it's an automatic foul. And so that's how they had us applying. I remember I was at a, at a FIFA tournament and it was just a complete mind flip where I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but I had to apply it that way. Um, and it just felt wrong, but we applied it that way. And within a year or two, they went back to the original application of saying, no, if you're slide tackling your hands in a natural position, you're not making yourself bigger, right? Where you're trying to scoop the ball to to make sure you don't make yourself larger. Then we don't have that as a mandatory caution and a foul. And I'm like, okay, good. So we, we reverted back once they saw that there was too many um, bad results from it, or I wouldn't say bad results, but bad examples from it, right? Where we all know it just doesn't feel right. So I think that this is a good thing because, uh, you know, the powers that be, as you mentioned, are getting a petition from UEFA and Infantino. And it really begins with sort of just the public voice saying that this is not good enough. We need to rectify, we need to look at this. And at the very least, as you mentioned, just like in a democracy, it's beginning to look like that. The people are speaking and then there's some kind of shift happening. And that can be anything but 
just good news. Christina, uncle, it's always good to have you. Your brain is just great. I love to just pick at it. Uh, I'm not as mean as, as Jimmy and the others because I, I see your point and, you know, as a fellow hermana, like I just got to, I just got to root for you every single time. So. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. But they're typical players. So we're always going back and forth. And, you know, if I can get them to get to the point where even if they don't agree, but they understand then my job is done. Well, they'll get there eventually. Christina, uncle, thank you so much for joining us. And it's always a pleasure having you here on Que Golazo. Que Golazo. Thank you. I want to thank Christina, uncle, Heath Pierce, and all of you for staying with us. Uh, this is our third week going in uh, with Que Golazo. We have so many more episodes. So please, please make sure that if you are listening to us on cbsports.com, you go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. I want to read them. And I want to read your questions. And I want to make sure that you also check us out on Spotify, Stitcher. We have our YouTube show, so much more. It's international break next week, but we still keep rolling. Enjoy the matches for the weekend, and we will see you very soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.